0: We actually, we actually should put some eight mile on for our Detroit girl.
1: Absolutely.
0: <laughs> All right. In case you didn't realize it, we are not alone today. We have one of the best women in the country, if not the world. Uh, she's a superstar on the mat, off the mat. She's got a huge Twitter following. It's not because she holds her tongue. It's because <laughs> she lets it fly as much as she does on the mat. We have Miss U.S. Open champ. With a torn bicep, I'm sorry. I will never let, look that down. I will always uh, preface that because I think that it's huge. A young lady can go out there and uh, just hammer even at, at that level. Ah! Yes, Salata. How you doing Julia? Cool. Uh, how you doing today? Hey, you Hang on night? one second. Mario, can you please mute your mic? I'm on it right now. I think you're the best. Okay, my lady, I apologize. We have wrestling royalty on right now, so we don't want to be disrespectful. I want to hear yes. she has. How are you feeling?
1: That's awesome. Having a good night.
0: Good. You still training? Still uh, doing every work?
1: Day. I actually just got back from jiu-jitsu about an hour ago. So whether it's wrestling, jiu-jitsu, kickboxing, whoever it is, I'm always up doing something.
0: Awesome. No, that's good. Cross training,
1: huh? Every day.
0: All right. Um, Mario, would you like to say hello to our lady? Hello. What's up, Mario? (laughs) How
1: are
0: you? Good. Good. We have Rich Valdivia. Mario's up in Sacramento, California. Rich Valdivia is um, up in Bakersfield, California. And I'm in Southern California, Pasadena. So we'll just jump right in because we know you're a busy girl. We don't want to keep you too long. Actually, we do. We plan to keep you for a while because we're going to have you throughout the entire podcast. Because, hey, when we have a brilliant mind on the line, we're going to hold on to him. Uh... Mm -hmm. So, I'll start out the first one before we let Mario jump in, and we'll have Richard jump in. First one is How has uh, the culture in girls' wrestling changed since you started?
1: Uh, it's so different. Um, Come back from Fargo last week, seeing the progression of that tournament every year is insane. Um, it's pretty common knowledge right now, but this is my first year in Fargo last year. I've been there 10 out of the last few years. And seeing that tournament grow over the past decade is insane. Uh, I think my first year there, we had 200 girls competing, um, you know, 10 to 12 girls per weight class in those middleweights. And the talent, you know, the talent was okay. It was still the best girls in the country at the time, but it's nothing like it is now, especially in the junior tournament, where you're seeing girls, you know, like, it was like, it seems like the guys tournament, where you see girls who are returning national finalists losing in the blood round, or you see girls who are cadet world team members not made, even making the finals. Um, that tournament has just grown so much, you know, both in numbers and in talent. And it's pretty cool to see. You know, I'm really proud to be a part of this progression of female wrestling, where we have this many talented girls competing at the national level. And I'm really excited to see where it's going to be in the next ten years. Awesome, Mario.
2: Uh, did, did you have our questions uh, uh, written out for us here? Uh, yeah, they um, were sent to you, um, but you can wing it if you want. <laughs> okay. Well, um, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go ahead and uh, and skip ahead because I know we we had them in order or whatnot, but. Um, what do you think of the uh, the the NCAA coming out with the emerging sports status for women's wrestling? I know there's a lot of uh, different opinions on the subject. Some people are worried about the NAIA schools and the smaller ones getting smashed in the process. Where do you uh, where do you sit on that one?
1: Uh, I have two. I, I guess that my, my opinion is kind of split on that. Um, on one hand, it's the next step in progressing as a sport. Um, NCA. You know, sanctioning is a huge step in the process of becoming more popular, having more numbers, having more involvement. Um, and in that regard, it's awesome. You know, having a set a governing body to like, you know, oversee everything. It, it's great. On the other hand, um, there's kind of a conflict with our national team stuff. Right now, girls can, you know, because our college season is so involved with the USA season that. Our girls can still compete in both the college season and USA stuff. They can still get their stipends. They can still accept sponsorships, whether it's from Nike, USA Wrestling, you know, NYC, Tight Mercury, whatever. we can still get that money. And that's really cool to me. As someone who was sponsored by NYC for the majority of my college career, being able to get a stipend from them and all that stuff was awesome. Um, and if we go NCAA, we're going to lose a lot of that. We're going to lose a lot of um, the income, you know, that money, those stipends, that kind of thing. So it kind of hurts our athletes in the process. But – You know, it's kind of like, you know, which is better? You know, is it better to grow our numbers or is it better to help our athletes who are doing their absolute best to compete on these on the national level and the world team level and all that kind of stuff? Um, so I think it's a step in the right direction, but I think we also have to kind of look at what's gonna be best for women's wrestling as a whole. Uh you kind of brought up like the NAIA stuff and right now we're in a situation where the WCWA competes where we have NCAA, NAI, all that combined. We have almost 50 schools competing at the WCBA National Tournament, and that's really awesome. But if we go NCAA, now we're losing those NAIA schools, and that's about 25 schools right now, I think, you know, approximate number. Um, and it's going to hurt our numbers, and it's going to hurt our level of competition. It's going to hurt you know, the level of competitiveness across the board. So, yeah, again, NCA sanctioning is still a couple years away, but I think those are kind of things that we have to look at and evaluate before we move forward.
0: All right. Awesome. So um, before we jump that far into the scene level, let's kind of get a little bit of of, uh, background on on you, Julia, because we do have a flow we're going to go with. Richard, go ahead and hit your question. Uh, Let's go with an easy one. What got you into the sport of wrestling?
1: Um, I was a huge WWE fan growing up. Um, all through elementary school and middle school, I would watch like, SmackDown and Raw almost every single night without fail. I was a huge Undertaker fan. I loved Kane. I loved John Cena. I loved Brock Lesnar. And like that was like, religiously, that's what I would watch. And so when I started hearing about like actual wrestling, I was really interested in it. So in eighth grade, they wanted to start middle school wrestling in my school district. And I came home with a flyer for it. And I was like, mom, I want to wrestle. And she's like, seriously i'm like yeah i want to wrestle and she's like you know it's not like what you see on tv right like yeah yeah i know i know but like this is what i want to do and she's like all right cool you know if, if you want to do it that's cool it was like 15 bucks for a t-shirt and shorts she's like the only rule is like you can't quit so i was like yeah you got it so i was playing a million other sports at this time but after like two practices i just fell in love with it um i ended up winning the middle school city tournament that year and the high school coach at the time who the high school i was going to he came up to me after i won that city tournament against all the boys and he's like you're going to come wrestle for me next year. Right. I'm like, nah, I I don't know. Like I play basketball. That's kind of my thing. Um, you're going to, you're going to come and wrestle. And I'm like, all right, whatever, dude, like what Shut up. it's fine. Sure. Shit. Like I come back next December and the middle school, or sorry, the high school informational, like like the wrestling meeting came up, I showed up and she just had me sold immediately. Um, I didn't even go to basketball trial to show up to the first wrestling practice of the year. And I, I was, I was bought in immediately. Um,
0: you know, nice. Where was this at? Where was this at? What high school? What what area? What's up? What high school? What area? I wrestled
1: for Canton High School, um, in Canton, Michigan. Uh, Alec Pantelio, who's a two-time All-American from Michigan, wrestled there. Uh, Brain Randolph, who just made the finals at Cadet Greco at 160, it was that is actually my coach's son. Um, he wrestled with me. Uh, Anthony Abro, who's a two-time All-American for Eastern Michigan or two-time NCAA qualifier. Sorry for Eastern Michigan was my teammate. So I can't like I was lucky enough that I came into a really strong high school program. Um with a strong culture of winning. We made the team state finals my freshman year and it just made me buy in. And I realized that's what I want to do with the rest of my athletic career in high school. And you know, the rest is history, I guess. Oh,
0: um, awesome, man. We are all about uh, shout outs. Most people helped you get there. We want to make sure absolutely. that they, mm-hmm. do they aren't forgotten. Randolph.
1: I can't, I can't, I can't go without giving uh, all of the props to Casey Randolph. Um, he was the first guy to ever say the word Fargo to me. And I was like, what the hell is a Fargo? And he's like, it's a place you need to go to. I'm like, okay, you're right. Again, 10 years later here, I'm still going back every year. His son just made the Fargo finals, and I, I have to give him a lot of credit for that.
0: Awesome. So let's let's stick with the Fargo for a second. Mm-hmm. You were out there, like you said. Uh, mm-hmm. Were you roughing too, or were you just out there?
1: Not this year. I've refed <laughs> probably four of the last six years I've been out there, but not this year. I just coached and
0: recruited. Just, just coached and recruited. So who mm-hmm. cool impressed you in Fargo?
1: Who? Like, individuals? Yeah. Alexis Zapeta, number one, first and foremost. Um Dominique who is the cadet and in the junior tournament pecking Cam Garrett and beating Alicia House the eight zero was insane to me. Um Cam Guerin is as good as that. She placed at the U.S. Open as a high schooler. Alicia Houck, same thing. Placed the U.S. Open at the high schooler. Both junior world team members, and she just you know, made them both look like they never wrestled before. Um, and they're both incredibly talented. She was number one on my list of like most talented girls in that tournament. Uh, cool. Second was Mia Palumbo from Illinois. Uh, won both cadets and juniors. And, again, just dominating her way through. Uh, super impressive. And again, as a college coach, that's the kind of girl I look at, and I'm like, She's gonna be something. not just the college. That double leg, huh? That Picture double leg. Me. What's up?
2: That double leg on Mia Palumbo is amazing.
1: Yeah, absolutely nasty. Um, oh, just I blasting everything. My, myself and Coach Mormon, our head coach at King, we were kind of, we were watching another girl on, like, Matt 9, and she, Mia Plumbo was up with Matt 1, I was, like, like, so we were kind of watching her in the background, and all of a sudden we see her do this, like, kind of, like, something straight out of Russian Nationals, where she, like, had, like, a high crotch and, like, transitioned off into something and put the girl straight to her back, and we're, like, what was that? That was amazing. Like, I don't, the, the kind of things you don't see a lot of girl wrestlers do, much less girls that are freshmen in high school, um, her doubles, her just sense of like mad awareness, her wrestling IQ was just so incredible. Um, and then again, like, you know, the usual suspects, the Macy Kilties, the Emma Bruntles, you know, they're always good. They're always impressive. And, you know, they, they showed out, you know, what, what you expect to see from them and all that. But but Alexis DePayton, me and Palumbo were the two that really stood out.
0: Nice. Go ahead, Rich.
2: Um, this is a two part question uh, Where are you coaching and what are you looking for in a girl when you're recruiting her?
1: I currently coach at the University of Tennessee. It's where I went to school all four years for my college career and then came back and took the assistant coaching job. Um, you know, I'm really proud to be a part of that program and you know, winning four national titles in a row and it's it's a pretty special program. Um, and again being an athlete there and now being a coach, it's a very specific thing that we're looking for. the um, first and foremost you want girls who are tough. You know, you see a lot of girls who have accomplishments and have done this, this and this, but come to a room like king where we have a room full of tough girls and they just break because they're not used to being pushed so i want a, a girls who are used to like kind of like i don't want to say getting beat up on but girls who are used to having tough training partners and girls who are used to challenges because that's what we're going to present to them with you know the way we train the way we recruit the way we you know with our expectations in general we want a very specific type of girl it's the kind of girl that rises to a challenge um whether it's in the room whether it's in competition whatever it may be um and we want We don't go to mean, you know, I think what's kind of happening with women's wrestling right now is you see a lot of girls who don't, you know, especially like like, um, girls who only wrestle girls, they kind of get used to like winning everything. Whereas we have recruited a lot of girls who wrestle guys a lot or train with guys a lot who are kind of what meaner. They're used to having to like fight for their right to be in a room. Um, and they're just nasty. They come in with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder and they want to compete and they want to be the best. And I think that's what you kind of see in girls who have come out of our program with me, Sarah Holdebrand, Allie Reagan, uh, Forrest Molinari, Haley Algello. Like we all just have a little bit of an edge to us, I guess. That's the kind of term that me and coach Mormon use a lot is just having that edge. And it's just that little bit of meanness, that little bit of like wanting to be better than everybody else around them. Um, I think that's what has made us such a good program. I think that's what's made us, produce so many good wrestlers both the college level and the senior level as well
0: well i know like you guys back in 2011 when my daughter started going to college you had sisters that were there at king um oh my gosh what was their name they were amazing two sisters Um, and then of course you ended up getting amanda hendy and you got Jennifer (laughs) page i mean the list of girls you guys have had in your recruiting classes have been amazing yeah Uh, i I don't know that this year you guys look like you have that same kind of recruiting class. You've kind of, uh, maybe there's like a little bit of a gap there is that the case. Or, I mean, why is that? Why all of a sudden is there that gap? Because King King is King man. for the past, you know, forever. they you know, it was OCU for a long time and know Simon Fraser jumped in in the middle, but, uh, King and OCU, that transition, was big. why do you think that is?
1: It was kind of a multifaceted thing. I think in one regard, um, we registered a lot of girls this year, um, we registered a lot of our studs in preparation, kind of like what Penn State did a couple of years ago, where they won four straight national titles and then it kind of took one year to be like, all right, let's like reset a little bit. Let's rest our studs and just kind of you know, reload a little bit. And that's what we kind of did. We kind of reset, we knew we weren't gonna win this upcoming year. We're like, let's just make sure that everyone this coming year is good to go. So we registered a couple of girls. Um, and then again, like with the growth of women's wrestling, girls that we would normally recruit. We can't compete with these newer schools in terms of offering athletic scholarship money. Um, girls that we would normally be giving, like let's say, 75% rides to can now get 100% rides somewhere else. And that's just the general state of women's wrestling right now. And that's just not just King. That's King, McKendree, OCU, Campbellsville, whatever it may be. Um, and we kind of knew that going in. So this coming year, we actually have a really strong recruiting class. Um, we have Ashlyn Ortega coming in, Cheyenne Sistenstein. Um Anna Luciano, a lot of really tough girls who are going to make an impact right away. And girls that you may not think, but you, it may not be, like, you know, hot commodities in the women's wrestling community, but girls that we've kind of picked out and been like, that girl's going to be a stud, that girl's going to be a stud, and that girl's going to be a stud. Um, and I think that's something that me and Coach Foreman do a really good job of, is just identifying potential. Not necessarily, like, immediate talent, but girls who have potential and have that grit that, you know, as I mentioned earlier, that grit that we look for in a girl and a girl that wants to get better and a girl that wants to, you know, is just hungry and and wants to be the best in the world. Um, So I think that we're going to have a much better year this coming year. And I think we're going to go on another run of four straight titles in the coming years. Um, And and I'm really excited to be a part of that going forward.
0: No, that's awesome. Hopefully this year we'll be able to get our combine.
1: I I fully (laughs) expect it. Yeah, I hope so. I want to be out there. (laughs) I I, I personally can say I want to be out there. So,
2: No, that's great. Mario, go ahead okay so um I mean this is something that I, I, I talk about often and um, mm-hmm. I'm sure you witnessed in in Fargo uh yeah. sage actually uh place in the in the Greco division in the boys Greco division badass yeah. I, I mean just uh, amazing um, I, I can't even imagine so I'm gonna ask you the same question I've been asking everyone else what do you think of the uh the girls Greco movement here in the United States um
1: I am, are we I'm, ready at all about it um I, I think you know first and foremost it's a step in the right direction of saving Olympic wrestling. You know, I know we went through this whole thing a couple of years ago. We got back the Olympics, but to save it moving forward, you know, the IOC is looking for us to be more inclusionary. And it starts with women's wrestling. It starts with adding women's Greco. Um, you know, they want to have equality between women's and men's sports. So the easiest way to do it is to add women's Greco. Um, having the same amount of women competing as men in the sport of wrestling. So I'm all about it. Two, we have a lot of girls who are starting to get more involved in Greco, whether it, you know, when the Minnesota storm started that women's Greco tournament a couple years ago, girls competing in their own Greco state tournament against the guys. Um, you know, there, there's a genuine interest for it now. And we have the numbers to support it before it was like, you know, we barely had enough numbers to support a woman's freestyle tournament in Fargo. Now we have more than enough in that. Like, and there are enough girls who are like, yeah, I love Greco. Like let's get involved in that. Um, And Sage Mortimer is a prime example. You know, not only did she want to wrestle in it, she went and she placed. As a first-year cadet, she went to the boys' junior tournament and and placed seventh. You know what I mean? It's it's incredible. Um, I think I tweeted something like, I want to be Sage Mortimer when I grow up. That was, like... I meant it to be funny, but it was also so true because I am awful at Greco and I'm terrible at tying up and anything involved in it. And like, I wish I had that talent to do that. Um, and here's this 15 year old girl showing me up and showing that she's capable of doing that. So, you know, I hope that catalyzes something and that really gets more women involved in thinking that, like, yeah, it's something that I can do. Um, and, you know, it's not going to be an overnight thing. It's going to take a couple years, but I-, I think within the next five to seven years, there will be more of a push for women's Greco. And I'm really excited to see where that goes.
0: Yeah, I can tell Mario has been at the forefront of that, at least on this end of the country. He's been pushing Papatello. He's been pushing some events. I mean he even got me to, to him to put in a Greco division. Uh it was a hybrid division mm-hmm. in, our, in our in our tournament just to see the interest and stuff like that. But I gotta give him credit where credit's due. He, he has been uh, pushing it for a while. Okay, Richard we just
2: we were just at uh, what is it Western States Championships? They call it now in Idaho, and there was girls Greco duels, and uh, we brought a team here, and it was just it was off the charts. I mean, you could tell a lot of girls were still uh, uh, a little a little worried about doing Greco for the first time, but then you could also see the states that have been training it, the Colorado girls, the Washington girls. Uh, the girls that we brought, the Hawaii girls. These girls were actually wrestling real Greco. They're digging hooks and trying to body lock and it was it was fantastic. You know, it wasn't like oh this is girls wrestling. It was just wrestling, you know, right. and it was I was all about it.
1: And I and I came from a club in high school where my freestyle and greco club specifically, we trained both freestyle and Greco even. It was a fifteen plant. Um, one of my teammates was actually Dalton Roberts. She just made a, he just made a senior world team in Greco. Um, and he was my training partner every day at club practice and just beating my ass every day in Greco. Um, and it kind of made me have an appreciation for that style of wrestling much more than I think a lot of girls get to experience. Cause they're kind of like, I don't want to say they're scared of it, but they're intimidated by it. You know what I mean? Because girls, sure. but they, you know, they don't compete in it on a day to day basis. So I was kind of experienced exposed to it because i was forced to be exposed to it and i had a really great training partner in the process but i think the first step is having those competitions and having you know if the opportunity is available girls are going to take it up you know i think they're scared of it because they're like well i'm never going to do this so why does it matter so the more opportunities that are available to them the more they're going to be inclined to actually want to train greco and want to compete in it um and it's just going to grow from there
0: all right rich you're up all right um
2: Curious to know your opinion on the NCAA emerging sports status.
1: Um, kind of before. It, it's kind of a double edged sword. Um, on one hand, it's a step in the right direction to helping our sport grow from numbers perspective, at least. Um, having an NCAA sanctioning makes it a lot more appealing to girls on a ba- on you know a, a general basis. Um, you know, being an NCAA athlete kind of has that appeal and that kind of. Um, you know, you can't embellish it like, "Oh, I'm an NCAA Division One athlete," and this isn't this, and this. But on the other hand, it's it's hard because let's mention before, especially in sponsorships, NCAA athletes can't accept outside sponsorships in terms of money um, and that kind of thing. So, like me being a USA, you know, national team member for most of my college career, I couldn't accept my stipend if I was an NCAA athlete. You know, NCAA couldn't, or sorry, NCAA, NYAC couldn't send me a spot. Um, a stipend on a monthly basis. If I was sponsored by Nike or Wrestling Addicts, in my case, who's one of my sponsors for a couple of years, I couldn't accept that funding. So we're still such a young sport; those kind of sponsorships and you know monetary backing matters. So that's going to be affected. But I think that's something that we have to have a discussion about. You know, between you know all the parties involved about how can we still support our athletes who are still involved on in the USA Wrestling Senior Circuit while also allowing them to compete on an NCA team or an NCA um sanctioned sport um type of thing so again it's a couple years away still but those are the kinds of things that we have to discuss and we have to evaluate and see what's going to actually be the best for women's wrestling as a whole not just you know what's going to be best for numbers because numbers are great but we also have to make sure we're still promoting quality in our you know our talent um you know, we can have 40,000 girls competing, but if they're not good, that doesn't help us, you know, on the Olympic level and the senior level. We still have to make sure that we're supporting our girls, and making sure that we're putting our best teams forward. Um, and I don't have the answer to that. You know, that's not something that I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a genius. I can't answer those questions. But those, in my opinion, those are the kinds of things that we have to reevaluate and see what's going to be the best for our sport moving forward.
0: Nice. Mario, what do you think about that subject?
2: Uh, you know, I'm, I see where the the there's the concern of of getting those uh NAIA schools uh getting getting those pushed out of the way and uh the girls losing scholarship money but I kind of feel in the end that's that's growing pains you know um for my daughter who's who's a sophomore in high school right now I mean it it obviously isn't going to happen in 2 years but or my my 6th grade daughter now who's going into 7th grade for her to have the opportunity to wrestle at Arizona State or Penn State, or, you know, uh, Iowa, or, you know, any of those. It's just the 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 idea of that, the opportunity of that. Um, now she's not forced to go to, you know, so-and-so um, private school because there's only 30 options in the country, you know? So it does open up the, the that opportunity. But I do agree that these girls that have been putting in the work right now, building the foundation, those are the ones that we are going to kind of roll over in the process. So it's, it's, it's a tough sale, you know, it's, you're kind of making the deal with the devil to get bigger, but you kind of have to do what you have to do, you know? Right. And that's
1: that's the thing is is at what expense, you know what I mean? Again, you look at King University, we're an NCAA Division II school with 1,500 students at the entire university. Um, Yet we've produced, again, Allie Reagan, Haley Algell, Amanda Hendy, Forrest Molinari, Sarah Hodebrandt, like, this small school has done that, but in order to get girls involved, you know, they're looking to go to, like you said, an Arizona State, a Penn State, an Iowa, that kind of thing. So, I don't think there's a right answer right now. You know, in a couple of years when we get closer to, you know, actually being able support, absolutely, but... Again, that's above my pay grade, so I don't. Yeah, there's no one right answer
2: to me right now. Well, to tell a wrestler she has to give up her scholarship money, like right now she's two years into it. You know, that's kind of yeah. a crappy situation. You know, yeah. hey, I know you've been getting this dough all these years. Uh, I'm sorry, but it's not allowed anymore. You know, it's it's it sucks. You know, so right. there's there's got to be a some kind of transition that we can figure out exactly now
0: my concern is like funding wise these small schools that are already there the infrastructure that's already been built Then you're going to try to come in and put this cost on them of uh ncaa and things like that it's going to crush programs a lot of these schools come on board because they want to increase enrollment. and right. you start telling them well you gotta have to spend a million dollars to make sure these girls are eligible it's mm-hmm. going to crush them so i mean I do, I do see it as a growing pain but at the same time it's like are we there yet I don't know that all of these schools are necessarily filling their teams. I think once we get to a point where every team has 20, 30 girls, okay, now let's start looking at it. But I think that's getting closer. But I don't know if necessarily it's uh, how close it is, five years maybe.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I think and I, that's a
1: pretty, pretty accurate thing, you know. It's something that I've kind of said as one of my most unpopular pans of women's wrestling is that at the collegiate level, we're growing too fast. When you get to the national dual tournament, again, these are the top 12 to 16 programs in the country, and we can't even field full dual meet lineups. That's a problem. And it's because we're growing, you know, we're adding all these programs so fast, but we can't recruit, you know, quickly enough to fill all these rosters. You know, again, King University, Oklahoma City, um, Campbellsville, when we can't even have 25 girls on our roster, that's a problem.
2: Okay, so to play devil's advocate, though, and and not to put down any of these these fantastic schools... is that because that they're they're these smaller schools, and it's not because you know I guarantee if Arizona State had a lineup, I don't think they'd have problems filling it. You know, if Penn I, I State had a lineup, I don't think they'd have problems filling it. You know,
1: it, it's well, I think, I think that's think what you're. that we're smaller schools with small enrollment. Again, like pulling a girl over to Campbellsville University, which is a small school in Kentucky from California, is a hard sell. You know, it's a small town, middle of nowhere. Same with King. Same with you know, Cumberland's anything. Um, but. It comes down to scholarship money too. You know, we're small private schools who are numbers driven. You know, as much as we are invested in building a national championship team, part of our job is also to, you know, grow a roster and have forty girls in our room. And with how many schools are available, again, a girl that would come to us and maybe only get, you know, I'm still a number there, ten thousand dollars, might get twenty five thousand dollars somewhere else because they're they just their first year program and they need to build their numbers and they have the money to do it. So part of it is like a numbers thing and a scholarship thing and a private school thing. Part of it too, is that they don't have the option to go to these bigger schools. They, don't, they can't go to Arizona state or Penn state or Oklahoma state or anything like that. So.
0: Well, yeah. I think the, part thing, the thing that we're overlooking too, is how many of these girls would be NCAA eligible. Right. I know that us, you know, going through the combines, having the schools that we have, we have to talk to girls about getting in on, on, um, you know, on a condition, you know, on a condition letter, and and okay, you got to prove yourself when you get there, and you know, okay, you have a low ACT score, okay, you didn't get serious until your year, and you got a lot of other stuff that happens when you go the NCAA route. So right now, like you were saying, we're having a hard time filling these teams to do duels, but you cut out thirty percent of that, and now you're really gonna have a problem, you know. And so, and even at the boys' level, there's teams that have that they're giving up buys, you know, they don't have a full team, so. It's really tough to, to say, like, oh, yeah, this is the right way because you're immediately going to cut programs, but you're going to cut the population that's going in that route. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something that gets overlooked significantly.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and part of that, too, kind of build on that is just retention. You know, wrestling is a hard sport, especially collegiate level where you're expecting girls and guys, too, for that matter, to compete. And wrestling full-time year-round, trade the way we're expecting them to train, and still get good grades and and maintain eligibility, you know, it's hard to do. Um, You know, I don't know have exact statistics on it, but retention in wrestling is pretty low. Um, In comparison to other sports like a basketball or a baseball or something like that. So we're fighting that every day. Um, And kind of like you mentioned, like making sure that girls are, you know, fully – prepare to compete at the collegiate level, and that's another thing that goes into the whole NCA sanctioning thing, is making sure that we have the numbers to support it and the number of girls who are eligible and committed to competing at the NCA level. Um, and that's something that we'll have to, again, look at going forward and you kind of reevaluate.
0: I got a question that's kind of off, off of our list, but um, what, what, I mean, I guess the main reason is retention, like you're saying, but I see a lot of girls, and they go into the college season, and they're like three or four weight classes up. And it's n- not like they're jacked up or something like that. It's yeah. like, like, okay, you know, and, but I think too, that kind of affects the, it kind of shows the level of commitment at the next level mm-hmm. and, it, and, it show, and it definitely affects the quality because you have a girl who wrestles 116 pounds in high school and then she's wrestling 143 pounds the next year in college. Well, she's not prepared to wrestle at that upper, the higher weight. She's not in great shape. What's, why does not some of the top schools, I would imagine, uh, get to the point where they start hydrating these girls and giving them their, their body fat and stuff like that. Because overall, I mean, when you get to that that level, you're looking at there are things to worry about. You don't want women to have uh, eating disorders, you don't want women to have health issues. But I feel like that would be a key step to sure that as a coach, you're getting what you pay for. The at- You know you're getting the athlete who's dedicated to what you're doing, and you know that the girls are doing it healthy. Because you know, as of right now, they don't hydrate. Am I correct?
1: Right, yeah. Um, in WCAA, we don't have any hydration, no alpha testing, no, you know, certifications, that kind of thing. And that's kind of part of the NCA proposal is that we're trying to move towards, you know, having those certifications and that kind of thing, just for the safety of the athletes first and foremost. Um, making sure too much, making sure they're fully hydrated, making sure they're not again eating raw like you mentioned. Um, and I, I can at least speak for King, you know, as our program, and that. And the, in the sense that we never assign a girl to a weight class um when we're recruiting we say like you know, we expect her to be a 23 pounder but you know maybe she gets the king and she lifts more than she has in the past and she ends up at 36 okay cool great she's healthy maybe she's never worked out you know as much as we work out and she ends up at 16 okay great cool that's awesome um we never you know say like this is how much money we're giving you and we're gonna hold you to that weight class or else we're pulling your scholarship we'll never do that but we will suggest, you know, if a girl comes in, you know, we sign her, expecting her to be a 23 pounder, and maybe she doesn't go to Fargo, and maybe she doesn't, you know, take her summer season seriously, and she comes, you know, in the, the, the fall coming, weighing 140, we're like, hmm, maybe you should get down a little bit. And they'll have a, We'll say, well, why don't you wrestle at 36 and see how you do? You don't have a term like they expected to. We'll say, well, why don't, we, like, why don't we try to get down to 30? And we'll give them a diet plan and we'll give them a workout plan. And again, it's not like let's throw a sauna suit on and cut 15 pounds. It's like let's get down the smart way. Let's make sure that we're doing this right so that we're not, again, developing an eating disorder. We're not forcing you to do something. We're not forcing you to be unhappy and hate wrestling. We want to do this the right way. Um, because, you know, officially that time frame where, again, going from high school to a freshman year, that 18 year old, you know, time frame, girls are developing. There's a, a lot of hormones going on. Um, Oh, you know, if a girl is going to quit because she's not happy and she's cutting too much weight, it doesn't do us any good as a college program. We want them to wrestle their best and at the weight class they feel is best for them. So we'll work with them to decide what's going to be best for them in the long term. Not just that, you know, those that six month period of the season, but what's going to help them throughout their four year college career. So we'll work with them, make sure they're competing at the weight that's right for them and that they're also happy and they don't feel like they're, you know, harming themselves in the process. But I don't think every college program is like that um, and that's a shame, but that's how we try to do things. And yeah, it's just the nature of the sport right now. So that's kind of where it's at.
0: So really it's a culture at King, not necessarily like just, hey, you're supposed to be that way. It's everybody's coming in, knowing what they're expecting, I mean, cause that's the impression I got when King was on its run. Mm-hmm. It was you recruited a certain world, mm-hmm. came in came and all the girls who were there all had the same mindset, the same goal. You knew what was expected of you, and you, you knew. Right? okay, You're not just letting yourself down. You're letting the team down, and, and it, it's, it's causing a, a, a rift. Right. So, and I can
1: speak for myself especially. Like, when I came in, the weight classes changed from my senior year to my freshman year of college. Um, I was recruited to wrestle 147, and then over the summer going into my freshman year, the weight classes all changed to 43 and 55. So I remember Allie Reagan come up to me, and she, her being like, I can't make 36, which is you know, really funny in retrospect because she's wrestling 130 now. But she <laughs> said, I can't make 36 week to week. I want to go 43. Are you okay with going 55? And I was like, yeah, that's fine. Uh, and I was a super small 55-pounder. But I was like, all right, time to get in the weight room. Like, Let's you know, let's do this thing. Um, and our coach being like, yeah, that's cool. Like, if that's what you want to do, that's fine. Let's, let's put the weight on you the right way. And same with Alec, like, let's put the weight on you the right way. And then when we both decided to go down, like when I decided to go on a 47 for senior season, Allie decided to go on a 38 for senior season. It was like, let's do it right. Like Let's, you know, get on a diet. Let's make sure we're doing everything the right way. Um, and that's how we've always operated, like doing what's best for the athlete um, and doing things the right way. So I think that's why I've been so successful is that everyone has always competed in a way where they feel most comfortable and most confident, more importantly, um, where they're, they feel like they're the best girl in the country and they feel like that's where they can perform the best. Um, I think that's why I've had a lot of success.
0: Okay. Um, Rich, next question. And Julia, uh, we're, we're on to your, uh, your default picture right now. <laughs> <laughs> How does <is> that picture? <laughs> <laughs> um, do you think the USA wrestling approach is going to lead to more success or is it more of the same?
1: Um, to, from the national teams standpoint. Yeah. National teams. Uh, I think we we'll are in the right direction. Um, there's been a lot of investment, both time from the national team coaches and also from a monetary perspective um, over the past couple of years in ensuring that our younger age groups are getting the support they need. Um, there's been a huge investment in the cadet and junior level teams over the past couple years and something that I as a junior never got to see. Um, as a cadet, I never, I never even had cadet worlds. Like Cadet worlds literally didn't even exist yet. Um, and all those cadet girls are getting the opportunity to compete internationally, go to cadet worlds, go to the OTC for camps. So, from that perspective, I think there's a lot, a lot of good going on right now. Um, that being said, it, it's it doesn't USA Wrestling can't do everything. I guess is the right way to put it. Um, wrestling, especially women's wrestling, still has to grow at the grassroots level for us to have the success that we want. Um, you know, USA Wrestling can invest you know hundreds of thousands of dollars and have you know, Emma Randall and Chris Trun investing all of this time. But if these girls aren't getting supported in their day-to-day lives, you know, at, the, at their respective clubs, high schools, wherever it may be, it's not going to grow until we, you know, are able to reach out to all these clubs. Um, so that's still a work in progress. I think we're moving in the right direction. I don't think it's like, again, like kind of mentioned earlier, it's not going to be an overnight thing, but I think we're progressing in the right direction to having success. The cadet junior, senior level, you know, age groups as a result of the time we're investing in those younger age groups right now.
0: Do you think yeah. that, that um, like, the, the Japanese models kind of been that way too, where they they kind of have a system all the way up through?
1: Yeah, and, absolutely.
0: You know, because, I mean, I'm looking at the world championship results, you know, from uh, mm-hmm. the past couple of years, with the exception of last year. I think we had a really good um, past couple of years, but mm-hmm. if you go back like 10 years, You know, we're looking at fifth place as a team, fourth place as a team, sixth place as a team, fifth place as a team, fourth place as a team, and then third, third, third. So, um, you know, and and we're getting closer now. So, do you think that that this approach itself, like like for instance, you're saying that grassroots level, how do you feel about a team like seminary? You know, where they're taking these girls and they're uh, putting all these girls from different areas into this one area. Basically it's, it's like a king, but for high school, right? Mm-hmm. where where you have, um, you know, this, this, this hotbed, this room where you've got the toughest high school girls and they're in there just banging it out.
1: Right. I think for the most part, it's a good thing. Um, Let's like kind of mention, it's it's an, an opportunity for girls to go and compete with other girls, especially in freestyle. They're wrestling freestyle year-round, um, which is huge. You know, at the high school level, and, you know, again, you get that many tough girls in a room, it's only going to benefit them long-term.
0: Um, those th- girls are wrestling as a whole.
1: Th- those girls in particular, um, the girls are choosing to go to that program. That being said, I think girls benefit a lot from wrestling guys. If they're in the right program, um, kind of going back to what we talked about earlier for me personally, I was training with Alec Pantaleo every day. Who's now a two time NCL American. Allie Reagan was training with Zane Richards. Who's a two time NCL American every day. Sarah Hillbrandt was joining with her brother every day. Who's, you know, was, One, you know, qualifier a bit away from being an NCAA qualifier this year. Um, So for girls like us, we are better off in our own high school rooms because we had the partners and the support that we needed to succeed at the next level. 90% of girls don't have that opportunity. They don't have the opportunity to wrestle freestyle most of the year. They don't have the partners supporting them or the coaches supporting them. So for those girls, it's important to get to somewhere where they're going to have full support and full, you you know, funding, full support, all that kind of thing, you know, day to day. Um, I think the seminary model kind of models with USOC had a couple years ago where they had girls, you know, coming to one location to all train together with a similar mindset and a similar attitude and similar goals to achieve, you know, a kind of a unified goal as Team USA. So again, it's a step in the right direction. Is it a perfect system yet? I don't think so, but the idea is there and the thought is there. And I think that, you know, with a few minor tweaks can be really good for this long term. <laughs> Okay,
2: awesome. Rich, uh, next question. See here. <laughs> He's muted. <laughs> there we go, there we go, there we go. <laughs> My bad. If you could change one thing about
0: the current structure of the senior level program, what would it be?
1: Uh, in terms of training or in terms of competition?
0: Both. Both.
1: Competition... And this is going to sound really ass-backwards, but I hated Final X and that whole qualifying process. Um, It it was a long, drawn-out process I think really hurt the athletes. Um, For someone like me who trains at a college day-to-day, I had no partners going into Final X. So my girls are home for the summer. Um, And again, girls that after the Open, if they didn't win or if after the Challenge Tournament they didn't win, they were done competing. So for those who compete in Final X, like, you didn't have any partners who cared anymore you know it was really hard to find girls who are still training with a goal in mind outside of like the next calendar year to push you and be competitive and to want to help you out achieving your goals um it, you know for me in particular my final eggs was june 23rd you figure that usually world team trials are early may like that was a month and a half longer than it should have been to establish our world team um and, you know, in terms of promotion and marketing the sport, it might have been great, but in terms of keeping the athletes in mind and how we train and how we peak, you know, you know, if you were that June 9th Final X and you didn't win the Open, you were competing in the U.S. Open the last week of April, you were competing in the Challenge Tournament in Rochester in mid-May, and then competing in Final X on June 9th. So within, like, a six-week span, you were competing three times. Like, it, it's, imp- it's a- literally physically impossible to peak three times in six weeks. So...
0: But how do the boys do it during the NCAA? It, it's the same
1: thing. It also, it's the same thing with the guys. It's not just a women's wrestling program; it's the guys' wrestling program. Yeah,
0: because they do it. Yeah, it they do it wrestling all wrestling year. They do it all year at the NCAA's, right? The NCAA boys they go. Let's yeah. say a Big Ten schedule. You know, yeah. you're have Big Ten duel, Big Ten championships. Then, then you got uh, you know uh, you got the NCAA's two weeks later. Two weeks later, you know I. I think for me personally, I think the final X, once they get it nailed down, I think everybody this year, I think you and I talked about it at the open. It was like, what's going on? <laughs> we don't even know the structure of it
1: yet. You know, and, I think. And that was, go ahead,
0: sorry. Oh, no, no, no. Um, so I think for me, when I think about the, the sports that have kind of overtaken wrestling, mm-hmm. think about how they do things. And I'm like, yeah, you know, we're kind of a sport of, of copying, you know. If you see the MMA, like the, the idea of just having to prepare for one person, like, yeah, it was three weeks later, but you have to prepare for just one person, and you go out there, and you, and you get it done. And you don't draw it out. I mean, we're at the U.S. Open, and we're watching men and women's finals. By the time we get to, I mean, we should be excited about you know, a, a spider, but and we are, but it's like, gosh, what are we doing? Like, how many more matches, you know? Versus, like, you're going to Final X. I know I'm going to see Salata there. I know I know who I'm going to get when I get there, and it, and it pumps me up. You know, like, yes, I'm going to get at least two matches of her in you know and to me i think as time goes on i think it's gonna grow from this person I'm, I'm, i've never been at the level of probably anything in my life it's like annoying people um but i think that uh as, as time goes on i think it's gonna it, it'll grow i think it just takes time to get used to it but i can imagine having to go from making weight just twice to making weight three times and then having to keep your weight down for six weeks and then, like you said Trying to find dedicated training partners who, hey, you know what? I didn't make it, but Julia's my girl. I got to make sure I'm there for her. And at the finals week, you know, during college season, those kids are trying to get their finals done, trying to get caught up. I I remember talking to Alex Hedrick, and she was saying she's got finals and she's got all these things going on. So I can only imagine as an athlete, it's got to be tough. You know, and travel.
1: Yeah, and I, for me in particular, it's like I was in the last week of my master's program, the week of the Open. So I was like running back to my hotel room, like between every session, being like, I gotta type like four pages of this paper right now. Or I'm not gonna graduate. <laughs> um, so again, that was like a me problem. It wasn't the USA wrestling program, but a re- USA wrestling problem, but it, it was an issue that was there. Um, and again, like Final X, awesome. From a marketing perspective, awesome. But again, having, like, three weekends in a row, like, some girls are competing June 9th, and some are competing June 23rd. Like, you know, if we could condense that somehow, it would be a lot better off. Because um, it, it was just really hard to, you know, like for, again, for me in particular, I competed in the U.S. Open April 28th. My final X wasn't until two, minutes, two months later on June 23rd. So it's a really long time to, like, have to be like, all right, like, stay motivated. Like, I don't know who I'm wrestling yet, but that's okay. All right, cool, whatever. Like, I don't, you know, it's a lot different than you know, a typical world team trials where you go in knowing like I have to beat this person, this person, this person. I said, in finals, best two out of three. Okay, cool. Let's go. Like it, it was a, it definitely an adjustment. Um, again, nothing like wrong about it, but it was very different. I think that there's still needs to be some tweaks made to perfect that process. Um, I think it can be great if they make those adjustments, but there do need, you know, those adjustments do need to happen.
0: So do you think it was more about having teammates from your, your club, your NYAC, uh, just hooking up with them, having, having a set group of people that, you know, like, okay, I'm going to train with this girl no matter what, or, or do you think like some of those clubs had like had those resources already planned and, and they were able to take advantage of those things?
1: Um, so the Olympic training center and like the like Terry center in particular actually set up camps going into final X, um, every week before final X, they would bring in the two athletes competing and then bring in training partners available to them. Um, you know, three to four athletes and people that were just readily available to make sure that we all had partners going in. Um, I didn't go because, you know, for me in particular, it didn't work out. You know, I have a full-time job, you know, coaching at King and I had things to do, but I had partners who were available to me, whether it was former teammates, girls who were still on campus, whatever it may be, but it wasn't the same as having our normal training situation. You know what I mean? Like whether, even if I had gone to the OTC, that wasn't my normal training situation, whether I had, You know my girls on campus. Like that's what I'm used to. I train with my team every single day. Um, So for for nobody really. I mean, it was it wasn't their normal environment. I think that kind of hurt a lot of athletes in that process. Just not having what they were used to available to them. Um, You know, that's the fault USA wrestling or flow wrestling or anyone involved in that process. Just something that we all had to adjust to. And if that's going to be the norm going forward, that's all an adjustment we're all going to have to make and expect um and that's just the nature of the sport and the way that we're trying to move in terms of marketing our sport promoting ourselves but you know i think we were kind of the guinea pigs this year in the sense that this was a brand new thing we had to figure out how to deal with it and how to adjust and you know it's, we're going to continue adjusting throughout the next couple of years so again from a marketing perspective awesome from an athlete perspective we're still trying to figure it out and i think we'll get there but it was a very weird thing this year i guess at least for me
0: okay
2: mario um okay i'm gonna kind of change uh take it take it more back to the high school level here real quick um I always ask all my all my Michigan peeps this one because it's, it's something that always baffles me now um
1: I already know where you're going with this go
2: ahead <laughs> <laughs> Michigan has been at the forefront of women's wrestling for for years and years right i mean it's uh numbers wise you might be the 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 most populous state that doesn't have a sanctioned state tournament mm-hmm. um for years, you've had um, you've had people like Coach Harvey done great things, um, trying to trying to grow the sport out there. Um, you had the very first uh, true nationals there before girls went to Fargo, that USGWA, which is in Cali now. Um, but the, my my question is, in your opinion, I know this is kind of a loaded question. What has held up Michigan from sanctioning women's wrestling like the movement that seems to be hitting the rest of the country right now?
1: Um. Two thoughts. Number one, I haven't lived in Michigan in seven years, so I'm a little bit removed from it. So I don't totally know. Um, again, we have the numbers to support it. Our numbers in Fargo when I was in high school were actually higher than they are now. This year, Michigan had like five girls. When I was in high school, we had like 18. So, and that Wow, like, I didn't know
2: the, the numbers were this low at Fargo this year. Wow.
1: Yeah, Yeah, it was really low. So again, I haven't been super involved, <laughs> so I don't know. Um, That being said, I have a conversation uh, who I was talking about earlier, my high school coach, Casey Randolph. Um, His daughter actually wrestles now, and he's been the guy that has kind of now stepped up to help sanction women's wrestling in the state of Michigan. And we talked in Fargo, and he said that the MHSAA is starting to get on board. Um, They're going to probably support a a sanctioned women's wrestling tournament, but a separate women's state tournament this coming year. There's not going to be a sanctioned women's wrestling season in terms of day-to-day competition, but they are gonna support a women's wrestling state tournament this coming year. Um, and then if it goes well, they're expecting to have sanctioned women's wrestling the following count. So we're moving in that direction. Um, you know, post Randolph's are hiding that I have full faith in him and full confidence in his ability to make that happen. But I-, I think part of the hesitation is that. Women's wrestling has done okay without having sanctioned women's wrestling, if that makes any sense at all. Um, Cece Weber, you know, going, she graduated in 2009, was a high school state place winner um, against the guys. Christy Gar, high school state place winner against the guys. Um, so I think there, the MHSAA has had, you know, we're still using the old weight classes. I think the weight classes changed in like 2013. The MHSAA is still using the old weight classes of like 103, or 112, 119, 125. So they're so resistant to change, it's absurd. Um things like, well, okay, why change it? So, you know, that's how much of a crowd we are in a lot of clubs. But I think they're finally starting to see the light a little bit in terms of what could it be if they sanctioned women's wrestling. So it's getting there. I think within the next two years we will be progressing in the right direction, but it's just been a slow process. But I think within the next couple of years you'll see women's wrestling getting sanctioned.
0: Okay. Uh I'm gonna take it another way entirely okay and this is i think subjects that i don't think coaches like to talk about and i think uh it is important because we're hoping to have a lot of young ladies especially new young ladies come on and uh, watch the podcast um what are some things you would tell a young lady who's trying to make weight during the most difficult time of the month <laughs> um i mean,
1: first and foremost is knowing how to time those kinds of things if you're expecting that to come about You have to know what's going to happen, and you have to plan accordingly. Um, Those are the times in the month to start cutting out sodium, cutting out all the fast food, that kind of junk. And, you know, that should be, um, you know, an unspoken thing, but you still see a lot of girls thinking, like, oh, yeah, I can eat McDonald's, it'll be fine. Like, you just need to be able to, you know, say no. And that's a commitment thing more than anything else. Um, Two, it's a matter of knowing that's not an excuse. You know, it drives me nuts. But even as a college coach, when girls come to me with that, being like, "Oh, well, it's that time of the month," and I just, I'm like, "This isn't anything new to you." Like, how long have you been wrestling for? How long have you known that this is a thing every month? It's going to happen to you. Um, and being able to manage your weight in spite of it, and, and again, that's it, it's commitment. It's knowing that this is going to happen, and knowing that you have to be able to manage your weight in spite of it. Um, you know, being smart, cutting out your sodium, you know, watching what you eat, and and being able to thrive in spite of adversity, which is a common theme for wrestling in general um so to me it's not an excuse it's not a matter of you know you know it happens to everybody you know thousands of girls across the country make weight in spite of it every day so you know just it's, it's a matter of buckling down and make sure you're committed to your goals enough that you're not gonna let that affect you
0: yeah i mean i t- i tell my athletes off the bat you know hey look at you we know, all in the bag as soon as you know <laughs> that thing's coming man you start counting that might all. you yeah. know like you should know how much you need to run, like how how much weight comes off in a mile. That's what I always tell my girls. Like you should always be hydrated, so that's always something. But you should know how much, like if you run a mile at this pace, this is how much weight you're going to lose. You know, uh, go to bed the same weight you were when you woke up. You know, like just just little things like that. You know, do you have anything like that 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 you kind of live by? Like just not saying like detailed diet or anything like that, but just little tiny habits that you have when you're trying to make weight.
1: I kind of like you mentioned. Like ibuprofen is my best friend. Um, more than anything else, it's like when I know that's coming up, I have like a. I go to like Sam's Club or Costco and I buy a jar of like 140 ibuprofen, whatever it is, and that's my best friend for that entire week. You know, first thing in the morning, first thing before practice, like when I go to bed at night, like that's number one. Um, because then I can't let it get in, in the way of my training. You know what I mean? Like whether I'm doing cardio, whether it's wrestling practice, whatever it may be, that's not going to affect the way I train. That's first and foremost. Two, like I mentioned, just like being smart and cutting out yourself. Um, that's going to be more than anything else, whether it's fast food, whether it's, you know, eating french fries, whether, you know, it's being aware of that um, and just remembering what your goals are. You know, I mean, like, to let something that, you know, in my opinion, insignificant affect you, that's a commitment issue. Um, just that, you know, it's more mental than anything else. Just making sure that you're committed to your goals, making sure that you, you know what you want to accomplish and that, you know, something as small as you know, being born a girl isn't gonna to with, you know, what you're
0: trying to do. Yeah, and then what do you have to say about young ladies who I hear from coach from parents a lot. You know, their their daughter, they think their daughter has it. In a lot of cases, their daughter does have it. That it you can't explain what it is, but you know it when you see it. It's just that factor that the kid has it, and, and they just they don't think their daughter's training hard enough. They don't think their daughter's. Like, how do you tell a parent like? how would you suggest a parent help motivate their child into meeting their potential?
1: Um, so, so at least in personal experience, the best thing that ever happened to me was to having parents who were extremely hands off in my wrestling career. Um, my dad was my coach in almost everything growing up and when I started wrestling, he had no idea what he was doing. So it was awesome because he <laughs> couldn't be on my ass by everything, but he was also super supportive like, whatever I need. He's like, you want to go to club practice today? Okay. Like, you want to practice doubles in the living room? Okay. Like, you want me to, like, film you doing 400, like, sweep singles? Okay. Whatever you need. I got it, dude. Yeah. Um, And that was so awesome for me. Just have my parents be there for me in anything I needed. Um, Whether it was being my chauffeur or just being their just on me. Like, that was so cool to me. Um, and they didn't hover. They weren't like, well, why do this? Why do this? Like, why aren't you eating you you ate four yogurts today. Why didn't you eat only two yogurts? Because you got to make weight. I'm like, I I don't know. I just, I I did. So it's finding that fine line between being supportive and being overbearing. Um, and you know, really knowing what's best for your kid. Um, you know, especially because my parents saw the potential in me, they wanted to send me to all the camps and all the tournaments, everything they could do, but they didn't want to be on my ass to the point where I started to hate the sport. Um, and in some regards, I wish my parents would have known, especially my dad, like, would have been a wrestling geek because he could have been able to understand a little bit more, but he compensated for that by being so supportive. It was like almost overwhelming sometimes and in a good way, in the sense that he just so blatantly wanted to do what was best for me that, you know, it was, it, it was just awesome. Um, so I think just, again, like, you know, to help your kids just understanding what they're going through, whether they're cutting weight, whether they're trying to find a new weight class, whether they're a girl wrestler in a guy wrestling program that doesn't feel like they belong um, just being supportive and finding ways to help them get better without being a helicopter parent, whether it's saying to them, to camp, whether it's saying them, to a combine, um, and just being there for them and being the best parent they can be and helping them achieve their goals.
0: You're hitting a lot of big points on our boy Valdivia here up in Bakersfield. <laughs> you know, his, he, he, he's never wrestled. His daughter is on a boys' team. He didn't have a whole lot of support last year, but I think it's increased. That's awesome. Mario, what do you got?
2: Um, about what? I mean, do you have <laughs> any other? questions for her? Do you have any more questions for
1: her? I just wanted 2%, side note, so and I know you get a charger I can, but
2: Okay. Yeah, no, you know what? I was getting so involved in that um, that parent daughter thing that I was I, I, I totally lost track. I she she had a chord with me. I was I was yeah. I was quite so the screen. I became a viewer at that moment and no longer a, a participant in the podcast. And
1: again, like my dad would coach me in a bunch of things. My dad was my softball coach. My dad was my hockey coach. Like. And it was awesome. But when I started wrestling, he was like almost oblivious. And it was like kind of cute. Like, oh, dad, you don't know anything. Yeah. Like, but <laughs> he wanted to be involved so bad. And he, just, like, he was just like, you know, you're we on the living room sometimes at like 11 o'clock at night. And he would just be like, you want to enjoy like 104 headlocks? Okay, let's do it. Like, and it was so fun for me. And like, I, I love that about you know how, how important.
0: Anyway. how important was it for you to see your dad there? Like at the time, oh, awesome.
1: my parents haven't the, the first tournament my parents have missed ever was the U.S. Open this year. Um,
2: oh were, my man! Mom up
1: to my this year, in Mexico. So they were at her wedding. And I did I t- tell you guys she <laughs> won it with
0: a torn bicep? A yes, a torn bicep. Yeah. Like,
1: but of course, the one, one on. the Open, they weren't there. But Flo wrestling
0: dropped the ball. On now the I'm just gonna be honest.
1: Yeah,
0: Julia, I'm gonna be honest. Flo wrestling dropped the ball on that. The <laughs> fact that they did that was not. <laughs> they wrong. made
1: up for it. They, like they, they, just crazy. they made up for it
0: this is insane i just that, that's such a huge story to win that tournament you know and coming it's back so
1: boring,
0: yeah oh gosh so but okay well awesome oh well julia you know what we've had you on for an hour now um we appreciate your time. i mean you know you know me. every time i see you i chop your hair off so uh, I'm, I, I'm
1: a big somar fan so i can't complain
0: Nah, awesome well i got some stuff coming to you this week so you'll be happy with that i think but other than that we want to say thank you you're out there in the rain for us i mean good lord girl, is everything anything you want to do for us it's awesome i so,
1: will rest, uh, anybody can support it so
0: awesome well again we thank you we're gonna let you go right now uh rich you got a beat for her
2: oh just uh thank you for being on the show with us we really appreciate it
1: that's what i'm here for man
2: all right mario yeah, thank you very much. Um, consider this an open invitation to hop on anytime. So, absolutely. All right, well, you be safe out there. Thank you so much.
0: Uh, we're gonna go ahead and let you go. All
1: right, y'all have a good night. All right, you too. Thanks a lot, guys.
0: All right, Mike. all right, fellas. That was Julia Salada. Oh man, kept her on for a while, but she had lots to say. Good stuff, huh? Some yeah, good
2: very, stuff, good. very good, very good. good stuff. Yeah
0: hit on some good points there too, especially at the end. I, sometimes I think uh, interviews kind of peter off a little bit. We kind of drug on a little bit, I think, but I think we hit uh, high school. That was good. And then I think ending on that, on that, those last couple of questions, I think were pretty important.
2: I so. can't help but sit here and think about how much simpler my life would be if I didn't know anything about wrestling. <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm still on that right now. Like, <laughs> like... Hey man. Uh-huh. Hey, just get a blip uh, kind, of a, kind of a revelation for me over here, man. I'm like
0: oh. Hey, just you can do part of that. You can just become supportive. It's just you know what? You got you got you got good options. I mean, Life would be easy, wouldn't it? Your your girl has opportunities. Well, that's to go. why
2: that's why this year I'm 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 not gonna coach at the high school man. I'm just gonna sit in the stands and, and be a dad. I yeah. call lies on that. Yeah, say, <laughs> uh, <laughs> got, I've got another. I've got the rest of the, the year to coach my own kids, man. I've got no, eight months You know what I mean. I, I don't have to. I don't have to do the high school thing. I'm, I'm going to sit back this year. We, we shall see. Yeah, see. Uh, you, know, we're, you know, some pictures are coming. Some memes are
0: coming this year. <laughs> continued.
2: Quarters? Yeah.
0: <laughs> All right, guys. Well, we're going to wrap it up then. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. Thank you, everybody who uh, supports us. Everybody who pushes us out there. Um uh, you know you can watch any podcast, listen to any podcast you want. Uh but the fact that you guys choose to still give us a chance, to work our, our little quirks out along the way, we appreciate it. So all right guys, let's go ahead and put off play off our music and we'll be out. So let's see here. <laughs>